Good evening, everyone. My friends, we hear the prophet Jeremiah speak about those who put all their trust into the world. Uh, they will be let down, and greatly. And St. Paul goes on to say, uh, he speaks about the resurrection, the importance of the resurrection, and without it, then faith is nonsense. But in fact, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And because of that, it is not nonsense, although many in the world might think so. My friends, uh, many folks, uh, after they have heard uh, something a number of times, simply do not hear it anymore. Um, Jesus' Sermon of the Mount uh, is a victim of this problem. Uh, folks have heard it before, and uh, some of its parts uh, many, many, many times. And uh, uh, oftentimes people have trained themselves over the years to tune out things that they see that they don't want and uh, to tune out sounds and words that do not appeal to them or that do not make sense to them. So such people can look devout and attentive to the word that is being proclaimed to them at Mass uh, for the hundredth time and not actually attend to one word of it. Some folks in our Christian uh, communities say that the Ten Commandments are good enough. Nothing more is needed. But my response to Christians who say that is, uh, the Ten Commandments, known as the Decalogue, was written thousands of years ago. And they are the law of the Old Covenant. And they are simply not enough for Christians. Now, you have been with me seven years, and we've been studying. We've talked about the Ten Commandments and the Decalogue. They were the beginning. It was just the start. And we know this because Jesus would come and he would tinker with them. And he can because he is God. <laughs> he would change and revise a number of them for his followers. So if one should say to themselves, I did not kill anyone this week. I did not commit adultery this week. I didn't worship any idols this week. Good, but that does not give permission to you to be called a disciple of Jesus Christ. If one really wants that name, one will sooner or later have to come to terms with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. As Luke calls it, it is found in Matthew's Gospel, known as the Greatest. And, uh, being a preacher myself, preachers preach on what is most important to them, what is at their heart. So Jesus is giving us a glimpse of what is at his heart here. The sermon itself, particularly with Luke's version, does not appear very appealing to anyone. Blessed are you who are poor. No one wants to be poor. Rather, they would like to win the lottery. Right? Or if you go to the casino, you win whatever they call that, uh, the, big, the big win, whatever it is, when they have to come and take you, whisk you off, and to write you your check. Blessed are you who are now hungry. Well, that's not an attractive message. Most folks want to eat their full and enjoy life and party on like tomorrow. Father, you know, does not follow sports. I had that young, young server. Has the Super Bowl madness started yet? <laughs> he said yes. I'm like, okay, 
Now I know. My friends, uh, what about blessed are you when people hate you? On the contrary, folks are inclined to think we would be blessed if everyone would like us. And I am not, I don't, know, I don't have a footprint on the media thing, but I know people like to be followed and they are constantly, how many likes do I have? How many likes do I have? How many likes do I have? They're neurotic about it. I only have, I only have one million likes? And I don't even understand what that is, to be honest. <laughs> but you see with my point, um, people want to be liked. They want to be liked by everyone. The Sermon on the Mount is a prescription for a revolutionary change of attitude. Jesus was not looking for a political revolution, but one of the heart, a change, a conversion. Remember last week I talked about that, an epiphany that leads to a conversion and a change, to accept the world's version of value and the world's version of morality, and then to remain wholeheartedly faithful to him will not be possible. It does seem that most of the so-called Christian world, however, has distanced themselves from the precepts found in this homily, this Sermon of the Mount by our Lord. How can we be faithful to Jesus and be liked by everyone? It's not possible. Jesus said, woe to you when all speak well of you. <laughs> and it seemed like nobody really liked me. <laughs> so be it. <laughs> For many in the Christian world, they are going to have to acknowledge the distance between Jesus' words and his precepts and some of their own personal values. And some of the values that we see expressed in the Christian churches at large of late. And an ever-growing pagan society. Called to be true witnesses of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, to testify on his behalf to his truth, to his ways, to his precepts. The question is, for the baptized, to what are your lives actually testifying to? What do you witness to, and how do you do it? What we need in order to live in accordance with the teachings of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is grace and the very power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to all those who would ask. St. Paul told the Romans that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot grasp the gospel, let alone try to live by it. We will react like unbelievers who find it foolish and impractical and silly. But if we are humble, and we humble ourselves and pray for the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds more often, truly the Old Testament Ten Commandments are only the starting point. They are guidelines for believing in God and living by a basic rule of morality. That's why it was given to the Israelites at that time. But the new wine that Jesus offered would never fit into old wineskins. That's scripture, if you didn't know. In other words, many attitudes will need to change before people can honestly claim that they are his 
disciples and that they have truly Christ. Only by living by the values of the gospel will our deepest longings be satisfied. And that is what Jeremiah the prophet was putting forth so many, many, many thousands of years ago. To understand the Beatitudes, as Matthew calls them, or the Sermon of the Mount, many will need a spiritual awakening, awakening and a conversion of heart. But I've been telling you that for eight years. I've told you it over and over again. And as I open with my homily, when people hear things over and over again, they tune it out. So the matter is, as individuals, as a church, as a nation, governments, ours and throughout the world, what Jesus would put forth in totality is that uh, God's love, God's justice should be represented to the world. Not our version of it, but his. And our Lord would go on to show by his parables where our attention should be to hold close to his precepts. Because when we do, they will have both personal and political consequences to them. Brothers and sisters, um, the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, Matthew and Luke, uh, they both, uh, Luke is a real person and Matthew is, was a real person, is, because he, he's with God. Uh, and they had a different take on what was happening, just a little bit. Uh, if you go and read Matthew, which is Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 12, you'll see the presentation of, uh, and it has just a little bit of a different take on it uh, than Luke does. Uh, Luke, um, his focus is that you will not trust in the ways of the world, but you will trust in God. And that's what Jeremiah, of course, is putting forth, and that's why it's teamed up with, uh, on this weekend, uh, the Old Testament, to combine with the New Testament, the kindness and mercy and forgiveness, those are the valuable things and, uh, um, and how we treat others matter to God. These are the things that were important to Jesus of Nazareth and is still important to him. Man, we will hear James uh, and John talk about this in their writings. He said, uh, in the end, it will be how you have loved Others, that God will ultimately, I'm looking to, in the old Jewish way of doing things, tip the scale in my favor. <laughs> in the Jewish way of thinking, they would do things to try and tip the scale to make it work. Um, with Jesus, we're not really supposed to do that. He paid the price, but in return, we are supposed to live according to his ways. But um, sometimes, you know, I don't think it's, I think sometimes we need to get in touch because we're Judeo-Christians. We need to pick up some of those Jewish things and in that mentality. Well, let me do this and see if I can not spend as much time in purgatory. I'm going there. <laughs> I just don't want to spend much time there. I don't think I'm going to be one of those saintly people that move quick through there. So I do everything I can. And I've studied the scriptures and I know Love, love, how I love others and how I treat them is going to matter 
So I'm hoping to bring a big pot of that with me. Look, Lord, look at all. Look how I loved. Can I get out of this place? No, I'm in purgatory. <laughs> like now? <laughs> and see what he says. I will rely on his mercy and justice and his compassion.